Well, the biggest free agent in the history of sports has officially signed a contract. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the ripple effect it has had. We'll talk about the Tigers making a move, the newest old member of the Detroit Tigers, and a little bit more offseason news all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, December 11th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. All righty. Well, hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. We are back and, uh, and better than ever, hopefully. So today we are going to talk about Shohei Otani, obviously signing a contract. That is news that uh, whether you're a Tigers fan and never expected to get him and he was never on anybody's radar here or uh, a fan of the Blue Jays or the Dodgers, it affects 30 teams. It genuinely does. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the impact that it has on baseball. We will talk about some other moves that have already happened since him signing then we will obviously, hopefully, spend a majority of the show talking about Andrew Chafin, the newest former member of the Detroit Tigers, and uh, where he fits into the bullpen, what the bullpen looks like right now, etc. Then we will obviously talk about, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Yamamoto. I don't know why I said obviously, it's very fairly, uh, very far from obvious rather, but we're going to talk about Yamamoto as well. Just a little bit at the end, uh, there was a report with the Tigers name on it and a list of you know teams that were interested in him and whatnot, and it kind of made me upset. Um, so yeah, we're going to start off by talking about Shohei Otani. Okay, Shohei Otani signs a contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers? Dodgers. $700 million. $700 million over 10 years. Uh, that will. It also sounds like there is a historic deferral that is going to take place uh, for deferred money. So he will not be making seventy mil a year straight up over ten. Sounds like it's going to be heavy deferred. The thing is about a seven hundred million dollar contract over ten years is that you can have m- mythically high deferrals. You can have a, a deferrals that that are historic. And that and that break the bank, and you can still have Otani make like forty five million dollars a year. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's just how large this contract is. You can have deferrals, like, and, and those are relatively popular in ju- really all sports now, but especially baseball, just because it's not a salary cap sport. Um, I, I mean, the Tigers just stopped playing paying Prince Fielder a couple of years ago. Uh, obviously, everybody knows Bobby Bonilla Day, right? Like, they're, that's that's pretty common practice these days. Um, but to have it the day you sign the contract, to have that deferral kind of in place, that deferred money in place, is, uh, is – I know Max Scherzer did it, and that was a really, really big deal at the time when Max Scherzer did it with the Nationals. And so seeing – I mean, he he's he's gonna make seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> I was gonna say he's gonna make a boatload of money, but like it's the same amount of money he's making no matter how it's deferred. Seven hundred 
million. And the Dodgers are confident, and I don't disagree. And I, I am not the smartest man in the room. I don't, I don't pretend like I am. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very far from like a marketing whiz. Okay, uh, but uh, the amount of money he's going to make that organization is going to be absurd. And that is what the Dodgers said. They are confident. People in the Dodgers organization have said that they are confident that he is going to make that contract pretty much pay for itself by like year five or six. That's absurd. Not absurd like a lie. Like that's just absurd that he's that big of a draw. He's going to make them a boatload in merchandise. He's going to make them a boatload in in, in marketing, in ad space. And I mean, we've talked about it before. The, the Angels sold Japanese company ad space around their stadium. The most I've told this story a few times. The most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a sporting event is still when the Angels went to the Padres. They were at San Diego. They went to the Padres ballpark. And is that still Petco? And the the Padres for a three-game weekend series sold the Japanese company ad space. To like be in shot of the TV camera and like around the ballpark just for the three game series. And then when the angels left town, they went back to, uh, to, to whatever ads were like normally there. It is unbelievable and, and somewhat unfathomable how huge of a draw he is and truly how much money he is going to make the organization. Now, strictly on the field, this is a guy who's not going to pitch next season. Uh, there are, I mean, pretty legitimate concerns about how much he is going to pitch the next 10 years. Uh, I think that that is a, a legitimate question to ask. But even if the arm completely gives out, you're getting one of the best hitters on the planet. And uh, with, again, the amount of money that he will bring in, the amount of money he will make the Dodgers organization – they felt comfortable doing that. $700 million. And like I said at the beginning, this affects 30 teams. This affects everybody. And that's why we're bringing it up and we're talking about it for you know the entire first segment here of Locked On Tigers. The Tigers were never going to get Shohei Otani. Chris Illich was never going to give $700 million to, to anybody. <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> Nonetheless, Shohei Otani, right? That was that was never going to happen, okay? Uh, but this still affects you and me. This affects the the free agency market this year. It is a new uh, a new standard going forward. Not that any player is going to come close to that contract anytime soon. Not what I'm trying to say at all. But it affects the value of everybody going forward. Everybody. And I know a lot of people are booing the Dodgers and a lot of people don't like the Dodgers. And the fan in me is right there in line with you, baby. I, you know, and not from a, like, oh, the rich get richer thing. Don't let the, like the, the owners fool you, man. Like they, there's, (laughs) the, the Dodgers owner is not like 700 million times richer than all the other owners, man. Right, like Steve Cohen didn't didn't do this deal. Um, 
So it's it's I I understand it from a fan perspective though. It's just it feels evil empirey, right? It feels it feels like okay. Not only do they get Otani, then we have John Heyman five minutes later saying they're in on Yamamoto. That sucks when your own franchise is going out there and, you know, signing people for four to 12 mil AAV for one or two year deals. It hasn't even come close to any contract like that in ages. No one's come close to 700 mil, but hasn't even come close to giving out legitimate money, really, in ages for some franchises. So I I understand. I, I understand looking from a fan perspective and being like, you know, forget the Dodgers. <laughs> you know? I, and a lot of people are going to be preying on that team's downfall now. And, uh, and, and I don't blame from a fan perspective that. I, I will never tell anybody how to be a fan ever. Ever, ever, ever. I think that's the beautiful thing about sports is everybody can take in the game and, and, and root any way they please. Um, it, it, I do want to reiterate, it's important to remember the Dodgers are not 700 million times richer than 29 other franchises. Um, and, and that's important to, to keep in the back of your noggin too. <laughs> Plenty of owners that, that could have done this. And, uh, he was going to make the Dodgers a boatload of money. And even if you're listening to this and you're like, there is no player that has ever walked the planet that is worth $700 million. This is ridiculous. It's it's bad. I hate it, et cetera, et cetera. Again, A, I'm not the one telling you otherwise. You you be a fan however you be a fan. Um, but B, the beautiful thing about the game of baseball is that this does not guarantee bleep. And that's why I love it here. The Mets just had the biggest payroll in the history of the game of baseball and went under 500. Am I telling you the Dodgers are going to go under 500? Absolutely not. Not even remotely what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, the Dodgers are <laughs> tenfold, the organization development-wise and 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 pipeline-wise and, and just everything really wise that the Mets are. Okay, I'm not trying to compare those, those organizations. That, that's apples to oranges. But um, this does not guarantee anything. This does not mean, oh, like the Dodgers are just going to get every player and they're going to win the World Series for the next 10 years. A team with a payroll of like $150 million less, $100 million less than the Dodgers last year, just boat raced them in the playoffs. And Otani's one guy. Well, he's kind of two guys because he's <laughs> incredible and awesome. And uh, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Okay, this did leave leave lead rather to a couple more moves, a couple more reports as well out of uh, out of the baseball world. There's some updates on Yamamoto. We'll talk about him later. This also had there's a couple more pitchers that all signed over the weekend. We'll talk about those. And then we will talk, obviously, hopefully for a majority of the show about Andrew Chafin and where he slides into the Tigers bullpen. Okay, we will do all of that right after this. This, of course, being talked to you about FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 
if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's truly no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back on Wednesday, not tomorrow. We will be back on Wednesday. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the show. We got some programming notes. Uh, this is not like a permanent thing. This is just in the offseason after winter meetings. The offseason slows down a lot. We always go back to three. And then when pitchers and catchers report in uh, in February, we will get back to five episodes a week. I promise you. Okay. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the show just to, uh, to give everybody a fair warning. Um, let's talk about some other moves that happened over the weekend. There wasn't anything earth shattering. I'm not trying to make it sound like you know, like all the big name free agents just like immediately signed after Otani did. I think there's one more domino to fall, and that is Yamamoto. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, but uh, Will Smith goes to the Kansas City Royals, uh, the left, the reliever Will Smith, not the catcher Will Smith. Obviously, he is still very much a Dodger. Um, but uh, but Will Smith, the reliever, goes to the Royals. Now, the funny thing about that is that uh, this almost assuredly not to – you know, kick a, kick a Royals fan while they are down. But um, this almost assuredly means the Will Smith World Series streak will will die. Uh, will Smith, the reliever, has been on the last three World Series champion teams. And uh, this might actually be the single – how do I even word what I'm trying to say? This was going to be like a, a jab joke, and now I, I just – I can't even think of how to word it correctly. This might be the move that the uh, whatever we're going to move on. I was trying to insinuate that this move was like the biggest move the Royals have made in terms of like taking steps toward winning a championship in the last like five years. But clearly that fell on its face. Andrew Chafin signs with the Tigers. We'll talk about that in a second. Austin Hedges to the Guardians as well. A lot of people. Uh, Austin Hedges making four million dollars. Good for Austin Hedges. Obviously a big time defensive first catcher um, with a a organization that is so just uh, contingent on pitching development and, and pitching in general. Like the Guardians are, it kind of makes sense that they would be a good fit for Austin Hedges pretty consistently. Uh, so there you go. So yeah, those three were the big moves. Big is definitely not the right word there. Those three were the three moves that happened on uh, on Sunday. And I expect some more smaller moves to happen throughout the week and then the bigger moves to start happening when Yamamoto signs. But let's talk about Andrew Chafin, okay? The Detroit Tigers, uh, this is via Evan Petzold of the Freep, have signed Andrew Chafin to a one-year deal with a base salary of $4.25 million in 2024, plus up to $1.25 million in incentives. The club option for 2025 is $6.5 million with $1.25 in incentives as well, with a $500,000 buyout in the option. Obviously, so if the, if the Tigers decline the, the club option next offseason, then Chafin will make half a million dollars. So um, the deal is expected to be finalized on Monday as you're listening to this, according to Ev as well. So, um, yeah, man, I uh, you know, this is uh, – it's always funny when you – bring in like old friend alert type of stuff. 
And when it comes to Chafin, uh, I don't have any issue with this. This certainly fills a need. It's not like the biggest, flashiest move, but really there's no big, flashy, unless you were going to get Josh Hader. Like there's really no big, flashy relievers out there, and you desperately needed a lefty reliever. Um, that was, we, we've been talking about it all offseason. That's been one of this team's biggest needs for the entire offseason so far, and they addressed it. So there's a few things to kind of go through here with Chafin. This past season was a really odd year. Uh, I, I struggle to even really define it as like a down year, although his ERA was certainly much worse than it has been in quite some time with 4.73 ERA in 63 games uh, in 51 and a third innings. He had a 1.42 whip, which is the very high uh, given his career average and, and the last few years certainly as well. 2022, obviously, we're well aware for the Detroit Tigers, had a 2.83 ERA, and then 2021 had a 1.83 ERA in 68 and two-thirds innings and a sub-one whip. That is just a remarkable season, especially, again, from a lefty in the pen as well. So the Tigers needed a lefty, they get a lefty. That's great, that's fine and dandy. Um, the reason why I really am not too worried about the 473 ERA here is that I think it's pretty inflated based on like 15 really just unbelievably horrible innings for him in July and August. And everything else was actually pretty good. If we go month by month here and just look at his splits, April 2.89 ERA, May 3.6 ERA, uh, June 2.35 ERA, July. In six and a third innings, 9.95 ERA. August, in six and a third innings, 12.79 ERA. Traded to the Brewers, right? Obviously, at the end of July. So that August ERA is with Milwaukee. September, in 11 games, 1.93 ERA. And then October, in just an inning and a third, had uh, a zero ERA. So I really, I mean, his his ERA pre-All-Star break was 3-1-6. And then he just had 12 innings in July and August where he was absolutely abysmal and really struggled with command. And when wondering, okay, well, how do we know the command isn't just going to like do that again? Uh, I think this really, based on what I have seen, A, from Chafin just like firsthand, but also when looking at uh, his numbers from the last couple of years, I think that this was pretty much single-handedly the doing of his, him just completely losing his four-seam fastball at one point. If we look at his four-seam fastball numbers, A, he doesn't throw them too terribly often to, uh, well, this is part of like the thing. In the first half of the season, he did not throw his four-seam fastball to righties really at all. And it was strictly a left-handed pitch for him and he has the sinker that he threw he has the slider that he throws he loves throwing that to lefties obviously um and, and the sinker is more of like what he throws to righties so in the first half of the year he barely threw any forcing fastballs to righties threw quite a few to lefties and his numbers against the forcing they weren't terrible they weren't fantastic but they certainly weren't as bad as they'd get in july and august he had the worst numbers against like a fastball you'll see. I mean, genuinely. Batting average against 
His four-seam fastball in July of 2023 was 667 with a slug of 1333. Unbelievable, right? And then in July, 1,200 slug, 400 batting average against. September, 182 expected batting average against against the four-seam fastball, 249 expected slug against the four-seam fastball. So I really do think that it was just, you know what, for two months, this dude just did not find his fastball. And it's not overpowering. Obviously, we've seen Chafin firsthand. He doesn't throw 98, right? His fastball tops out at 92, 93 miles an hour. And then he has the slider at 84-ish miles an hour. And then, you know, every once in a blue moon, he'll throw a change up. But mostly it's the sinker, fastball, slider, three-pitch mix for him. And so I just think he really struggled with the fastball. I think he struggled with command. I think he lost the pitch for a little bit. He found the pitch, and we're back. When looking at his four-seam fastball stats month by month, year by year, whatever you want to do, uh, none of them are are nearly as bad as that ridiculous 12-inning stretch in July and August. So I'm not too terribly worried about him imploding again. Uh, And uh, even with... An ERA over 10 across two months, he's still a 4.73 ERA is not something to brag about. But um, the fact that it wasn't ridiculously, like significantly higher is, again, a testament to how good he still was in every other month this season and in a majority of his innings. Reliever ERA is weird, man, because it's such small sample sizes just stacked on top of each other that if you give up six in one outing, your ERA is kind of toast for like, the next six weeks, unless you're throwing blanks every game, right? Um, so it's it's really, I, I truly do think that that's just kind of what happened. He just had a couple of really bad outings in the middle of the summer and uh, inflated his ERA. And once he found the fastball again, then, uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. He was back on the horse. There's a couple other things that I do want to point out. I, I, you know, this doesn't come without some, uh, some I don't want to say hesitancy because it's a one-year deal with a club option on a, you know, veteran reliever that's been good before. but. Um, without some things that I want to see worked on as well. Um, but as far as this deal in a vacuum goes, I'm not too terribly worried about it. This was a big time need and I'm totally fine with it. Two thumbs up. Good job, everybody. This was also kind of like a layup. Like Chafin was very vocal about how he loved playing for the Tigers and was very fond of the organization. His family liked it. Like this was always something that, that could have happened again. And here we are. Okay. Let's keep talking about it. we got a few more things to talk about with Chafin. Then we'll talk about another minor league signing the Tigers made, then Yamamoto, and then we'll get you out of here. All right? We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all greatly for tuning in, as always. So um, the only other thing that really uh, is – giving me actual, again, not worried. Uh, but the only th- thing that really jumps out at me when looking at Chafin, like his whiff rate was still phenomenal. Uh, his K rate was still phenomenal. It was actually one of the highest in his entire career. His chase rate, phenomenal. Average exit velocity, phenomenal. Hard hit rate, phenomenal, right? Like he 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 still is very good, which is another reason why I'm not too worried about the inflated ERA. I think it was one bad pitch. The one thing, that jumps out at you is sixth percentile walk rate in 2023 had a 12 and a half percent walk rate. And 
if I went in and looked at the splits and I looked at the month to month splits and I was like, wow, all these walks happened in two months, then I'd be preaching the same message. But unfortunately, that is not true. He was pretty consistently walking five or six batters a month, which in only nine or 10 innings is a lot. Uh, the entire season, five walks in April, five walks in June, six in July and August, four in September, even with the sub two ERA. So that is something that needs to get nipped in the butt, obviously. And the good thing is this organization really values that a lot. And so I'm not too worried about the Tigers continuing to throw somebody out there, especially on an expendable deal, right? Like it's different with Lang, like team control and the politics of, you know, like what to do with somebody with a lot of team control and and with no options and whatnot is way different than like, all right, this dude's in his mid thirties on a one-year deal with a buyout clause included. Like, let's just count our losses. Um, and I, he's pitched for the Tigers before and had a much better, he had a league average walk rate. It was 7.8% in 2022, right? So uh, I, I'm really, I'm really not worried uh, about it. Uh, worried is not the word, but that is something that really jumps out at you. And uh, it is something that you don't want to see that repeated or else you worse will get worried very quickly about uh, if that ERA is going to balloon up again. But as a whole, uh, this dude's been one of the best lefty relievers in baseball for about three years running. Um, all the people that like think that this dude just like doesn't care about baseball or whatnot, like he he might not care about watching baseball. That might be true. Uh, but he is constantly making adjustments. He's not just rolling out of bed, roll, like rolling out of the the, the the bullpen and just like doing the same thing every game like he, he is constantly making adjustments as well it, what's it's what makes him so effective uh it's what makes it he is unbelievably competitive uh, and you see it all the time I'm such a big fan of, of big country I know a lot of the fan base is and uh I'm happy to have him back and the last thing I want to point out with Chafin is that he has experience as a high leverage reliever as well which I'm not saying Chafin's going to be the closer on this team. I don't think he will, and I don't think he should be. I think you want, I think Hinch is going to want to use the lefty reliever they went out to bring in as more of a, you know, like him and Holton play matchups a little bit more than just like, oh, you're going to get the ninth inning no matter what. But this bullpen had a just egregious, honestly, lack of high leverage relievers, people that have experience pitching in high leverage situations. This bullpen grossly lacks that at the present moment, uh, or at least effectively pitch in high leverage relievers. Even the guys that were really good relievers for this team last year don't have experience in super high leverage consistently. So going out and getting someone that does, uh, I think also is kind of two birds, one stone, lefty and high leverage in one reliever, loves your organization, has played with you before, knows all the coaches. This, this was truly like a, a finger roll layup, man. Uh, and, and and good for, for the Tigers for taking advantage of what is right in front of them. Don't have to overthink it. I like it. I have absolutely no issues with the deal. And glad, uh, glad Chafin's back. Also a little bit of flexibility there on the club option. That's just something that's so, clearly so different again about this regime. Like Avila didn't even know what an option was, I don't think. Like it was just, that's not fair. That That's probably not fair. Like he did literally gave Erod and Javi both options, but they were both player options. I don't think he knew what a club option was. I don't think he knew what a mutual option was. I don't think he knew what a vesting option was. Um and this organization is just way more creative now. But I, and again, we're we're really we're talking about a 
uh, a 33 year old, like one year with a club option for another year, like less than five mil AAV. Like I'm not trying to make it sound like anything more than it is, but it's just nice to see a little bit more creativity in the contract signing process. That's all. Okay. So no issues with Chafin, two thumbs up. Good job. Uh, I think that this checks a lot of boxes here. Um, as far as the bullpen goes, uh, we, we have a lot to discuss and there's a lot of time uh, to discuss it. Again, obviously you have you have Lang, you have Foley, you have Holton, and, and now you have Chafin as kind of like the slam dunks there. Uh, I think Bo Brisky is going to get a shot. I think I would love Miguel Diaz to get a shot, but I think he's out of options. I don't, would love Alex Fajardo to be the long leverage, the long inning reliever on this team. Um, I think that you have you Will Vest, obviously, like you, you have some some flexibility now. And spring training is going to be really, really, really interesting. Speaking of spring training, Brennan Hanafy signed to a minor league contract with an invite to spring training, pitch for the Tigers for a couple of innings in 2023. Uh, Non-roster invite, so he's not on the 40-man roster, but the Tigers clearly liked what they saw. He's only 25 years old. And uh, yeah, man, like he's he's not a huge strikeout guy. Uh, his go-to pitch is a sinker. That usually doesn't lead to high strikeout numbers. But if he's a pound the strike zone, not going to walk people reliever, and that they think that they can get that sinker working, anything close to how like Foley turned out, I think they're going to be pretty pleased with that. Again, not even on the 40-man roster, not that deep. But he will get an invite to spring training. Um, my money right now would be on him not making like the opening day roster or anything like that. Um, but it, at a guy for a guy who's only 25 years old, it is nice to see maybe uh, maybe he can work on some more stuff in Toledo, and we'll see what uh, he can turn into this year. Okay, last thing I want to talk about is Yamamoto. Um, Yamamoto, obviously the biggest free agent left on the market now that Otani is uh, is with the Dodgers. And there was a report by Heyman that the Dodgers and Yankees were like pulling out all the stops for like big meetings with Yamamoto and. It led to him, you know, after the Morosi thing. I'm not trying to pile on a Morosi. He's had a he's had a long enough weekend. Um, but you know, all these reporters are now like treading very carefully with their reports, as they should, right? That's that comes with the territory, right? I'm in this line of work too. Like I <laughs> that that that's how we should operate. Um and he he in his follow-up, he said, look. Like they're pulling out all the stops. This doesn't mean that the Dodgers are the favorite right now to get Yamamoto, but they're not out of it. And they're going to be one of the teams that are, they're going to be players for it. And they're going to see if they have the money to, to, to bring him in and not going to go down that rabbit hole again. And so then he tweeted out a list and he was like, here are the other teams that have been linked to Yamamoto and the Tigers were on the list. Now, we talked a month ago about the first list that came out in regards to Yamamoto and about how uh, the Tigers were on the list of interested teams and how I said I, I didn't really care about it at all, not to be like a Debbie Downer. But uh, the fact of the matter is, this is one of the premier pitching talents on the planet. You should be interested, Right. I think I made some joke about how I'm interested in eating like a billion calories and staying in shape every day. Like uh, that doesn't mean that it's possible. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen. That doesn't mean that it's feasible. And that's not to say that the Tigers getting Yamamoto should be not feasible. They have the money to do it. I, I promise you. 
I promise you, the Tigers' payroll, if the season started tomorrow, would be frustratingly low, to put it lightly. Okay? They have the money to go out and get this guy if they really wanted to. But I'm sure Chris has given Harris a, a budget, and I'm not sure that that leads to us bringing in Yamamoto. And that's what pissed me off about it is because at the end of the tweet, Heyman said, these are the teams that have been linked to Yamamoto at some point. Oh, but just by the way, a couple of these teams have dropped out uh, because the price has gotten too high. And you look, let me just pull up the list. Okay, let's just play a game. Let's pull up the list here. Okay, also linked. Uh, obviously, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals, Cubs, Phillies, Giants, Angels, Tigers, Diamondbacks. And then he says, although things have gotten a bit richer for a couple of those, a bit too rich for a couple of those teams. Which one of those th teams do you possibly think he could be talking about? Is he talking about the Red Sox? Absolutely not. Is he talking about the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Phillies with Dave Dombrowski at GM? Is he talking about the Giants who've been trying to sign a $300 million player for three years now? Is he talking about the Angels who, who are paying Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, uh, you know, a, a kajillion dollars over the next several years and reportedly may or may not have met with Blake Snell over the weekend? The only two teams he could possibly be talking about here are the Tigers and the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks already dropped $100 million on a pitcher. And guess what? He used to be a Tiger. Like, <laughs> that that's just, I don't know why that worked me up so much. I'm not trying to get mad over nothing. Um, but it, it just really frustrated me to see the Tigers linked with all these other teams that, like, he obviously isn't talking about. And be like, oh, well, by the way, we'll throw the Tigers and D-backs in at the end here and be like, well, it might be too rich for some of these teams. He is obviously talking about the Tigers. And that's just frustrating because it didn't used to be that way. We used to have a top five payroll in baseball every year, top three payroll in baseball. We used to actually be players on the best free agents on the market. Just frustrating. But the Diamondbacks made the World Series – with uh, Without having a ridiculously high payroll, that's what makes baseball the beautiful game. That's what makes it so awesome is that uh, you can have, you know, the, your your uh, your teams with much different strategies, much different uh, payrolls, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, it doesn't single-handedly determine competitiveness. That's not me saying that in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't even know if I want to say that. I, I want the Tigers to spend money. Okay, that is not any way am I saying like, oh, the Tigers shouldn't spend the win anyway. Not at all the message I was trying to convey there. Um, just saying that like if I really thought that the Dodgers were just going to win the ten, the next 10 World Series rings, I'd just stop watching baseball. Um, okay, so that report made me upset because I wish – it made me upset because I wish the Tigers would spend. And we'll see is basically where we're at. Cool. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back on Wednesday. It's the final show note here. Um, we are going down to three episodes a week. I will. The plan right now is to do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I think that just makes sense for everybody. Uh, I will say, though, that if a move happens 
on uh, Monday night, then we will have an episode on Tuesday and we will maybe have a four episode week or even a five episode week. If there's a busy week over the next month and a half, right? Like this isn't a, a, a permanent guaranteed thing. It's more of a floor. We will at least have episodes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We just all teams go to that uh, on the network during the off season. If you're a fan of the Locked on Red Wings show, we do that after free agency and the draft in the summer, you know, that August kind of dead point in, uh, in in the hockey offseason as well. Um, so that's just the point time of the year we're headed. But again, there's still so much free agency and, and so much offseason left that if something does happen, we will certainly be back. But for the time being, three episodes a week until Pitchers and Catchers Report. I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.